You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Cynthia Wakeford. Cynthia is head of content, brand, and public relations at GoodTime, which is a meeting optimization platform. Well, Cynthia, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So let's get right into our topic, which is the value and power of data-driven reports. So, and we're talking about this because I know that this is one of your guys' main content marketing strategies. So first, say a few words about the kind of reports that you guys produce and, and put out there. Well, one of the key pieces of premium content that we like to do at Good Time is sort of an annual data-driven report. And it's sort of that annual state of report that a lot of companies do. But ours is a little bit different in that we are doing a a deep dive on third-party data. So it goes over really well. And then strategically, we're an early stage startup. So it serves as sort of the nucleus for a lot of our content throughout the year. Okay. So as you mentioned, a lot of companies put out these kind of reports. Mm -hmm. And I think there are probably many more companies that would like to put out these kind of reports because Definitely. As, as you say, they perform really well. So, so why is it you think that audiences find these data-driven reports so valuable? It's a good question. You know, data is really hard to argue with. I think that uh, content marketers like to use data-driven reports because they inform your audience on how they make decisions. They help establish benchmarks. So using these types of reports, if a company is entering a new industry or a new product type of product, having the, having these data reports is really, really helpful just to see how other people are thinking and hearing about how other people are behaving. And data also helps your prospects make the case for buying your product or service. So I think data-driven content is just, it's, it's powerful. It's going to stay powerful simply because it's really hard to argue with data. Okay. And by that, do you mean that it's, it's seen as, or it just is sort of objective as opposed to, you know, more kind of like marketing speak opinion? It, it, it can appear to be objective. That's a great question, by the way. I think that when you're doing third-party data, and what I mean by that is, for example, the, the annual report that, that GoodTime puts out, we use a, a survey company that surveys, you know, basically our ICP, roughly, and, you know, decision makers that are in sort of our prospect pool. And we want to hear from them as to what keeps them up at night. What are the problems that they're concerned about? What, how did things work for them you know, over the past year? What are they looking to change or do the same or double down on for the following year? So looking at data from sort of a selfless perspective does give your audience an objective look at what that, what that section of people or industry is doing. When you're doing product-focused data, like if you have a platform that takes data on your customers, people are also interested in that type of data. 
I would say the third party type of data reports are much more top of funnel and sort of that customer or product driven data from your platform or service is going to be more mid or, or, or down in the funnel, maybe bottom of funnel, because you're really talking specifically about your, your product. Mm -hmm. The third party data is it's selfless. It's not, we're not talking when we do these reports, we don't talk about good time. We don't talk about our products. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the fact that it's third-party data can lend it even more credibility, at least arguably. Yeah. I mean, credibility with regard. Yeah. I, I think that's right. I think mm -hmm. that credibility with regard to, you know, in context of what you're talking about, obviously we're experts on our own product. And if people are interested right. in our product, we, we can give data as to the effectiveness or the, the, the way that the product is used. So it's sort of a different, it's a different use case for data. Right. Okay. And so you're, so you're working with a company to get this third party data. And mm -hmm. is this data, is it data that's available to anyone who's interested? Or did you like specifically work with them to set up a kind of design a survey and a study? So this is like your data that you've, that was delivered to you, but it's only, only you guys have access to it. We work with a third-party company to design a survey and pick our subject pool. Okay. So it's all it's all really bespoke and working with the data team and the, the survey designers and things like that at this company. Now, if you're a company that doesn't have a lot of budget to do one of these third-party surveys, you can certainly do a survey on your own for, for very mm -hmm. little money. There's certainly you're front-loading the effort in terms of getting the subject pool and, and making sure the data is clean and that your survey not going to buy a, you know, lend bias or sway people's answers, right? You want to be as, as clean and objective as possible, but there are lots of different ways to do these types of surveys. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, right, the, the, I'm sure like everyone would love to have this kind of, you know, clean objective data to use in marketing, but the if but but if you can't afford to pay another company to do it right it's a good point that you can data can can just mean a simple survey right absolutely and, you know sending it out to your to people on linkedin or or whatever 100 percent. there's mm -hmm. there are a lot of different ways you can do it you know and there are platforms mm -hmm. that that you can sort of self-run to get surveys out into the world. So there's different, yeah, you could do it on LinkedIn. You can do it through social, depending on your social following. You can do it through your email database. There, there are a number of ways that you can pull sort of subject pools. Third party is going to, you know, obviously cast a much wider net and yeah. you're going to be able to get much more specific in terms of who you're going after. You know, are you going yeah. after people that use your product or the people that decide to bring your product in, you know, those types of questions mm -hmm. come into play. Right. Okay. And so it seems like if you can afford it, it's, it's probably worth the investment because you're getting probably better, better, more interesting data that way. I, I think so. You know, if you can, there, there are a lot of reasons you can, you know, make the case to invest in this type of report, but not least of which is that this data can be used not just for the report. You can use it throughout the year for a variety yeah. of different things in your content strategy, ebooks, infographics, social media, blog posts. So, so you know, front loading the investment and getting good, clean, accurate data that really points to your prospect audience. I think it's, I think it's sort of a foundational element for a really solid data-driven content strategy. Mm -hmm. So, 
You know, I think that most people are aware that, as we were talking about before, data can be very impressive because, mm. because it's like an objective measure. But I think we're all aware, especially these days, that data can be cherry-picked. You know, it can be mm. manipulated. There are biases in everything. And I think especially with, like, political polling over the last several years, you know, we've kind of all learned, like, hmm, maybe, you know, it's not always as accurate as, as you like to think. In any case, that that's a separate issue. But <laughs> I'm asking this because I think my, my question is, to what extent in the reports that you guys published do you sort of take care to like let readers know where the data comes from, how it was collected and all that. Like, is that, is that an issue? Do you, is that part of how you present the data? Absolutely. We have a very extensive methodology section at the end of our report that explains very clearly okay. how we, how we got the data and how the data was worked in order to produce the report. And I think that, I think methodology is, is important, even if it's yeah. simple, even if it's just a paragraph of, we surveyed 300 subjects and asked their opinions, you know, between these dates. And out of the 300 subjects that we surveyed, you know, 250 completed the survey and these were the findings, you know, so that, I, I yeah. think it's important to be pretty, to, I think for your report to have sort of that level of integrity, people need to understand how you came about the data that supports whatever storyline you're putting out there. Yeah, especially for the more maybe sort of meticulous readers, right, who are, you know, less inclined to just kind of believe whatever they read and so like, okay, wait, you know, how is this collected? They, they want to know. It makes sense to have Absolutely. that information and, and be transparent about it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, so you get this data. Let's talk about what you do with it. Like when you mm -hmm. get the data from, you know, the third party you're working with, what does it look like? And how do you go about then using it to build out a report that anybody could read, you know, without being an expert in data analysis? Yeah, I'm certainly not a, an expert in data analysis, not by any stretch of the imagination. But when you work with a third party company, often they'll create a dashboard for you based on the questions that you've asked or presented in the survey. And that the dashboard will have data visualization on each of the questions. So you can see very clearly how people answered each of the questions. I think it's I think it's important to to think about that when you are approaching survey construction or survey design is, you know, are you very data driven and are you somebody that can analyze the data, clean the data yourself? So if you do get a huge, lengthy and complex spreadsheet, will you know what to do with it? You know, a lot of people on, in the content marketing world maybe don't come from that world. A lot of us are, you know, former editorial directors, happy mm -hmm. writers, and we maybe came up from a creative background and maybe not an analytical background. Um, so if that's the case, having that third party data visualization is incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And so give me an example or two of how you make the data compelling, you know, sort of how you use it mm. to tell the story you want to tell in this report. It's a great question. I think that I think I would almost flip that question and say, okay, before I even get the data, I would look at the business goals of my company and say, okay, what is my goal with content this year as it's going to relate to data? So if my goal is, you know, 
top of funnel thought leadership, you know, filling top of funnel for pipeline, that kind of thing. And and creating sort of the authority, be, you know, having a brand builder, making sure that the storyline or the hypothesis that I am starting with before I even design the survey, you know, looking at sort of a problem and how, you know, how whatever technology you're in or, or whatever world that you're in, how that might serve, not directly tied to your product, but products like yours, how, how it's obliquely related, I think is really important. So thinking about problems and solutions and developing a storyline based on that, and then looking at the distribution plan. I think that a lot of times it's very easy to get very mired down in the details of producing a report like this and not, I think it's very easy to get mired in the details of production Mm. of a report and, and not thinking enough about the promotion or distribution plan around the report. So you want to think about business goals, how your, how your content goals feed those business goals and then looking at how data might feed those content goals. So kind of a backwards approach, I, w- I think I would say. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. So what do you do when you get back data that might, you know, that doesn't exactly fit or align with your business goals or that even might sort of contradict some of your assumptions going in? How do you, what do you do with that data? I mean, I think it's important to, if you're going to present a, an objective, as objective picture as you can, you can certainly weave contrarian data points into your storyline. I think that that's where your job as a storyteller really, it's time to shine. So if there are things that are antithetical to your storyline, absolutely point them out. I think that if you don't, I think that if it's purely fitting into your storyline and everything is sort of, as you said earlier, cherry picked or altered to perfectly fit your hypothesis, the report can come off as though it has an agenda. And Mm -hmm. I think that audiences are very savvy now and they know when they are reading content that is agenda driven. So I think having some... If you want to build authority as a brand and not come off as even like a little bit of a thirsty or insecure brand, I think it's okay to have a little bit of pushback and saying, okay, we're not for everybody. Like, you know, this Mm -hmm. data point says maybe this doesn't work for X or Y or Z, but we have all of this other data that supports our storyline. So I I think having a little bit of that country, and I think it's actually good. Mm -hmm. So transparency is kind of paramount for, for this kind of content to really work. Totally. Totally. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're really, if you're really interested in doing selfless third party content, I mean, obviously you don't want to, you know, there, the chance of the data completely disproving your hypothesis is probably pretty slim. You're probably going to create a storyline yeah. and design questions that are going to support your storyline. But yeah, absolutely. Things can come up that might be contrarian or antithetical to what you're trying to do. But I do think having a bit of that information in is is valid and important. Yeah. Okay. So what's your advice for marketing teams that want to get into producing data-driven reports? How, what's the first step? You know, really thinking about your promotion and distribution plan, really thinking about how the data and the storyline support your audiences. Are, are you giving your audiences truly useful content? 
Is it interesting? Is it unique in some way? So spending a lot of thought and time before you even get into designing the survey or creating the survey, thinking about how this content is really going to serve that audience and then how you're going to get it out to that audience over and over and over again. You know, the, if, if you take one thing away from this conversation, I would say you don't want to post to ghosts. You don't want to you know, go through all the time and effort and expense to create a beautiful survey and a gorgeous report and then have, you know, six downloads. You you want to make sure that you're getting it out loud and proud and mm -hmm. for as long as you can. And even if that means that mid-year, let's say you're doing a report and it has, you know, 15 different industries in it or 10 different industries in it, maybe mid-year you take a subsection of that data and you just do singular industry reports like mini reports or or one pagers make sure that you're you're recycling the content and getting it out over and over again to really increase the trajectory of that co content you're going to get top value out of it if you continue to do that yeah good point don't sleep on the promotion Right. Don't post a ghost. Absolutely. <laughs> post to ghosts. I like that. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, Cynthia, finally, how can people connect with you? They can find me on LinkedIn, Cynthia Wakeford, and or if they want to email me if they have questions or just want to talk, Cynthia at goodtime.io. Okay. Excellent. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much. I thought this was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I hope you had a good time. Yeah. Well, you work at, you work at good time and I hope you had a good time on this podcast. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.